chapter five part three of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter five part three on the president's power of removal from office in organizing the departments of the executive the question in what manner the high officers who fill them should be removable came on to be discussed believing that the decision of this question would materially influence the character of the new government the members supported their respective opinions with a degree of earnestness proportioned to the importance they attributed to the measure in a committee of the whole house on the bill to establish an executive department to be denominated the department of foreign affairs mr white moved to strike out the clause which declared the secretary to be removable by the president the power of removal where no express provision existed was he said in the nature of things incidental to that of appointment and as the senate was by the constitution associated with the president in making appointments that body must in the same degree participate in the power of removing from office mr white was supported by mr smith of south carolina mr page mr stone and mr jackson those gentlemen contended that the clause was either unnecessary or improper if the constitution gave the power to the president a repetition of the grant in an act of congress was nugatory if the constitution did not give it the attempt to confer it by law was improper if it belonged conjointly to the president and senate the house of representatives should not attempt to abridge the constitutional prerogative of the other branch of the legislature however this might be they were clearly of opinion that it was not placed in the president alone in the power over all the executive officers which the bill proposed to confer upon the president the most alarming dangers to liberty were perceived it was in the nature of monarchical prerogative and would convert them into the mere tools and creatures of his will a dependence so servile on one individual would deter men of high and honourable minds from engaging in the public service and if contrary to expectation such men should be brought into office they would be reduced to the necessity of sacrificing every principle of independence to the will of the chief magistrate or of exposing themselves to the disgrace of being removed from office and that too at a time when it might be no longer in their power to engage in other pursuits gentlemen they feared were too much dazzled with the splendour of the virtues which adorned the actual president to be able to look into futurity but the framers of the constitution had not confined their views to the person who would most probably first fill the presidential chair the house of representatives ought to follow their example and to contemplate this power in the hands of an ambitious man who might apply it to dangerous purposes who might from caprice remove the most worthy men from office view of the old city or federal hall new york in seventeen eighty nine on the balcony of this building the site of which is now occupied by the united states sub-treasury at the corner of broad and wall streets george washington took the oath of office as first president of the united states april thirtieth seventeen eighty nine in the near distance at the intersection of wall and broadway may be seen the original trinity church structure which was completed in sixteen ninety seven it was replaced by the present edifice in eighteen forty six president washington who was an episcopalian did not attend trinity but maintained a pew in st paul's chapel broadway and vesey street which remains as it was when he worshipped there by the friends of the original bill the amendment was opposed with arguments of great force drawn from the constitution and from general convenience on several parts of the constitution and especially on that which vests the executive power in the president 
they relied confidently to support the position that in conformity with that instrument the power in question could reside only with the chief magistrate no power it was said could be more completely executive in its nature than that of removal from office but if it was a case on which the constitution was silent the clearest principles of political expediency required that neither branch of the legislature should participate in it the danger that a president could ever be found who would remove good men from office was treated as imaginary it was not by the splendor attached to the character of the present chief magistrate alone that this opinion was to be defended it was founded on the structure of the office the man in whose favor a majority of the people of this continent would unite had probability at least in favor of his principles in addition to which the public odium that would inevitably attach to such conduct would be an effectual security against it after an ardent discussion which consumed several days the committee divided and the amendment was negatived by a majority of thirty-four to twenty the opinion thus expressed by the house of representatives did not explicitly convey their sense of the constitution indeed the express grant of the power to the president rather implied a right in the legislature to give or withhold it at their discretion to obviate any misunderstanding of the principle on which the question had been decided mr benson moved in the house when the report of the committee of the whole was taken up to amend the second clause in the bill so as clearly to imply the power of removal to be solely in the president he gave notice that if he should succeed in this he would move to strike out the words which had been the subject of debate if those words continued he said the power of removal by the president might hereafter appear to be exercised by virtue of a legislative grant only and consequently be subjected to legislative instability when he was well satisfied in his own mind that it was by fair construction fixed in the constitution the motion was seconded by mr madison and both amendments were adopted as the bill passed into a law it has ever been considered as a full expression of the sense of the legislature on this important part of the american constitution on the policy of the secretary of the treasury reporting plans for the management of the revenue the bill to establish the treasury department contained a clause making it the duty of the secretary to digest and report plans for the improvement and management of the revenue and for the support of public credit mr page moved to strike out these words observing that to permit the secretary to go further than to prepare estimates would be a dangerous innovation on the constitutional privilege of that house it would create an undue influence within those walls because members might be led by the deference commonly paid to men of abilities who gave an opinion in a case they have thoroughly considered to support the plan of the minister even against their own judgment nor would the mischief stop there a precedent would be established which might be extended until ministers of the government should be admitted on that floor to explain and support the plans they had digested and reported thereby laying a foundation for an aristocracy or a detestable monarchy mr tucker seconded the motion of mr page and observed that the authority contained in the bill to prepare and report plans would create an interference of the executive with the legislative powers and would abridge the particular privilege of that house to originate all bills for raising a revenue how could the business originate in that house if it was reported to them by the minister of finance all the information that could be required might be called for without adopting a clause that might undermine the authority of the house and the security of the people the constitution has pointed out the proper method of communication between the executive and legislative departments it has made the duty of the president to give from time to time information to congress of the state of the union and to recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient if revenue plans are to be prepared and reported to congress 
he is the proper person to perform this service he is responsible to the people for what he recommends and will be more cautious than any other person to whom a less degree of responsibility was attached he hoped the house was not already weary of executing and sustaining the powers vested in them by the constitution and yet the adoption of this clause would argue that they thought themselves less adequate than an individual to determine what burdens their constituents were able to bear this was not answering the high expectation that had been formed of their exertions for the general good or of their vigilance in guarding their own and the people's rights the arguments of mr page and mr tucker were enforced and enlarged by mr livermore and mr gary the latter gentleman said that he had no objection to obtaining information but he could not help observing the great degree of importance gentlemen were giving to this and the other executive officers if the doctrine of having prime and great ministers of state was once well established he did not doubt but he should soon see them distinguished by a green or red ribbon insignia of court favour and patronage it was contended that the plans of the secretary being digested would be received entire members would be informed that each part was necessary to the whole and that nothing could be touched without injuring the system establish this doctrine and congress would become a useless burden the amendment was opposed by mr benson mr goodhue mr ames mr sedgwick mr badenot mr lawrence mr madison mr stone mr sherman and mr baldwin it was insisted that to prepare and report plans for the improvement of the revenue and support of public credit constituted the most important service which could be rendered by the officer who should be placed at the head of the department of finance when the circumstances under which the members of that house were assembled and the various objects for which they were convened were considered it was no imputation upon them to suppose that they might receive useful information from a person whose peculiar duty it was to direct his attention to systems of finance and who would be in some measure selected on account of his fitness for that object it was denied that the privileges of the house would be infringed by the measure the plans of the secretary could not be termed bills nor would they even be reported in that form they would only constitute information which would be valuable and which could not be received in a more eligible mode certainly said mr goodhue we carry our dignity to the extreme when we refuse to receive information from any but ourselves if we consider the present situation of our finances said mr ames owing to a variety of causes we shall no doubt perceive a great though unavoidable confusion throughout the whole scene it presents to the imagination a deep dark and dreary chaos impossible to be reduced to order unless the mind of the architect be clear and capacious and his power commensurate to the object he must not be the flitting creature of the day he must have time given him competent to the successful exercise of his authority it is with the intention of letting a little sunshine into the business that the present arrangement is proposed it was not admitted that the plans of the secretary would possess an influence to which their intrinsic value would not give them a just claim there would always be sufficient intelligence in that house to detect and independence to expose any oppressive or injurious scheme which might be prepared for them nor would a plan openly and officially reported possess more influence on the mind of any member than if given privately at the secretary's office mr madison said the words of the bill were precisely those used by the former congress on two occasions the same power had been annexed to the office of superintendent of the finances and he had never heard that any inconvenience had been experienced from the regulation perhaps if the power had been more fully and more frequently exercised it might have contributed more to the public good 
there is continued this gentleman a small probability though it is but small that an officer may derive weight from this circumstance and have some degree of influence upon the deliberations of the legislature but compare the danger likely to result from this cause with the danger and inconvenience of not having well formed and digested plans and we shall find infinitely more to apprehend from the latter inconsistent unproductive and expensive schemes will produce greater injury to our constituents than is to be apprehended from any undue influence which the well-digested plans of a well-informed officer can have from a bad administration of the government more detriment will arise than from any other source want of information has occasioned much inconvenience and many unnecessary burdens in some of the state governments let it be our care to avoid those rocks and shoals in our political voyage which have injured and nearly proved fatal to many of our contemporary navigators the amendment was rejected on the style by which the president should be addressed among the interesting points which were settled in the first congress was the question by what style the president and vice-president should be addressed mr benson from the committee appointed to confer with the committee of the senate on this subject reported that it is not proper to annex any style or title to the respective styles or titles of office expressed in the constitution and this report was without opposition agreed to in the house of representatives in the senate the report was disapproved and a resolution passed requesting the house of representatives to appoint another committee again to confer with one from the senate on the same subject this message being taken up in the house of representatives a resolution was moved by mr parker seconded by mr page declaring that it would be improper to accede to the request of the senate several members were in favor of this motion but others who were opposed to receding from the ground already taken seemed inclined to appoint a committee as a measure properly respectful to the other branch of the legislature after a warm debate the resolution proposed by mr parker was set aside by the previous question and a committee of conference was appointed they could not agree upon a report in consequence of which the subject was permitted to rest and the senate conforming to the precedent given by the house of representatives addressed the president and their answer to his speech by the terms used in the constitution while the representatives were preparing bills for organizing the great executive departments the senate was occupied with digesting the system of a national judiciary this complex and extensive subject was taken up in the commencement of the session and was completed towards its close amendment to the constitution proposed by congress and ratified by the states in the course of this session mr madison brought forward a proposition for recommending to the consideration and adoption of the states several new articles to be added to the constitution many of those objections to it which had been urged with all the vehemence of conviction and which in the opinion of some of its advocates were entitled to serious consideration were believed by the most intelligent to derive their sole support from erroneous construction of the instrument others were upon points on which the objectors might be gratified without injury to the system to conciliate the affections of their brethren to the government was an object greatly desired by its friends disposed to respect what they deemed the errors of their opponents where that respect could be manifested without a sacrifice of essential principles they were anxious to annex to the constitution those explanations and barriers against the possible encroachments of rulers on the liberties of the people which had been loudly demanded however unfounded in their judgments might be the fears by which those demands were suggested these dispositions were perhaps in some measure stimulated to exertion by motives of the soundest policy the formidable minorities in several of the conventions which in the legislatures of some powerful states have become majorities and the refusal of two states to complete the union were admonitions not to be disregarded 
of the necessity of removing jealousies however misplaced which operated on so large a portion of society among the most zealous friends of the constitution therefore were found some of the first and warmest advocates for amendments to meet the various ideas expressed by the several conventions to select from the mass of alterations which they had proposed those which might be adopted without stripping the government of its necessary powers to condense them into a form and compass which would be acceptable to persons disposed to indulge the caprice and to adapt the language of their particular states were labours not easily to be accomplished but the greatest difficulty to be surmounted was the disposition to make those alterations which would enfeeble and materially injure the future operations of the government at length ten articles in addition to an amendment of the constitution were assented to by two-thirds of both houses of congress and proposed to the legislatures of the several states although the necessity of these amendments had been urged by the enemies of the constitution and denied by its friends they encountered scarcely any other opposition in the state legislatures than was given by the leaders of the anti-federal party admitting the articles to be good and necessary it was contended that they were not sufficient for the securing of liberty and the apprehension was about that their adoption required the fears of the people and checked the pursuit of those radical alterations which would afford a safe and adequate protection to their rights they were at length ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the states and probably contributed in some degree to diminish the jealousies which had been imbibed against the constitution appointment of the officers of the cabinet councils and of the judges the government being completely organized and a system of revenue established the important duty of filling the offices which had been created remained to be performed in the execution of this delicate trust the purest virtue and the most impartial judgment were exercised in selecting the best talents and the greatest weight of character which the united states could furnish the unmingled patriotism of the motives by which the president was actuated would receive its clearest demonstration from a view of all his private letters on this subject and the success of his endeavors is attested by the abilities and reputation which he drew into the public service at the head of the department of foreign affairs since denominated the department of state he placed mr jefferson this gentleman had been bred to the bar and at an early period of life had acquired considerable reputation for extensive attainments in the science of politics he had been a distinguished member of the second congress and had been offered a diplomatic appointment which he had declined withdrawing from the administration of continental affairs he had been elected governor of virginia which office he filled for two years he afterwards again represented his native state in the councils of the union and in the year seventeen eighty four was appointed to succeed dr franklin at the court of versailles in that station he had acquitted himself much to the public satisfaction his notes on virginia which were read with applause were believed to evince the soundness of his political opinions and the declaration of independence was universally ascribed to his pen he had long been placed by america amongst the most eminent of her citizens and had long been classed by the president with those who were most capable of serving the nation having lately obtained permission to return for a short time to the united states he was while on his passage nominated to this important office and on his arrival in virginia found a letter from the president giving him the option of becoming the secretary of foreign affairs or of retaining his station at the court of versailles he appears rather to have inclined to continue in his foreign apartment and in changing his situation to have consulted the wishes of the first magistrate more than the preference of his own mind
the task of restoring public credit of drawing order and arrangement from the chaotic confusion in which the finances of america were involved and of devising means which should render the revenue productive and commensurate with the demand in a manner least burdensome to the people was justly classed among the most arduous of the duties which devolved on the new government in discharging it much aid was expected from the head of the treasury this important and at that time intricate department was assigned to colonel hamilton this gentleman was a native of the island of st croix and at a very early period of life had been placed by his friends in new york possessing an ardent temper he caught fire from the concussions of the moment and with all the enthusiasm of youth engaged first his pen and afterwards his sword in the stern contest between the american colonies and their parent state among the first troops raised by new york was a corps of artillery in which he was appointed a captain soon after the war was transferred to the hudson his superior endowments recommended him to the attention of the commander-in-chief into whose family before completing his twenty-first year he was invited to enter equally brave and intelligent he continued in this situation to display a degree of firmness and capacity which commanded the confidence and esteem of his general and of the principal officers in the army after the capitulation at yorktown the war languished throughout the american continent and the probability that its termination was approaching daily increased the critical circumstances of the existing government rendered the events of the civil more interesting than those of the military department and colonel hamilton accepted a seat in the congress of the united states in all the important acts of the day he performed a conspicuous part and was greatly distinguished among those distinguished men whom the crisis had attracted to the councils of their country he had afterwards been active in promoting those measures which led to the convention at philadelphia of which he was a member and had greatly contributed to the adoption of the constitution by the state of new york in the preeminent part he had performed both in the military and civil transactions of his country he had acquired a great degree of well-merited fame and the frankness of his manners the openness of his temper the warmth of his feelings and the sincerity of his heart had secured him many valuable friends two talents equally splendid and useful he united a patient industry not always the companion of genius which fitted him in a peculiar manner for subduing the difficulties to be encountered by the man who should be placed at the head of the american finances the department of war was already filled by general knox and he was again nominated to it throughout the contest of the revolution this officer had continued at the head of the american artillery and from being the colonel of a regiment had been promoted to the rank of a major-general in this important station he had preserved a high military character and on the resignation of general lincoln had been appointed secretary of war to his past services and to unquestionable integrity he was admitted to unite a sound understanding and the public judgment as well as that of the chief magistrate pronounced him in all respects competent to the station he filled the office of attorney-general was filled by mr edmund randolph to a distinguished reputation in the line of his profession this gentleman added a considerable degree of political eminence after having been for several years the attorney-general of virginia he had been elected its governor while in this office he was chosen a member of the convention which framed the constitution and was also elected to that which was called by the state for its adoption or rejection after having served at the head of the executive the term permitted by the constitution of the state he entered into its legislature where he preserved a great share of influence such was the first cabinet council of the president in its composition public opinion as well as intrinsic worth had been consulted and a high degree of character had been combined with real talent in the selection of persons for high judicial offices the president was guided by the same principles at the head of this department he placed mr john jay from the commencement of the revolution this gentleman had filled a large space in the public mind 
remaining without intermission in the service of his country he had passed through a succession of high offices and in all of them had merited the approbation of his fellow-citizens to his pen while in congress america was indebted for some of those masterly addresses which reflected most honor upon the government and to his firmness and penetration was to be ascribed in no inconsiderable degree the happy issue of those intricate negotiations which were conducted towards the close of the war at madrid and at paris on returning to the united states he had been appointed secretary of foreign affairs in which station he had conducted himself with his accustomed ability a sound judgment improved by extensive reading and great knowledge of public affairs and yielding firmness and inflexible integrity were qualities of which mr jay had given frequent and signal proofs although for some years withdrawn from that profession to which he was bred the acquisitions of his early life had not been lost and the subjects on which his mind had been exercised were not entirely foreign from those which would in the first instance employ the courts in which he was to preside john rutledge of south carolina james wilson of pennsylvania william cushing of massachusetts robert harrison of maryland and john blair of virginia were nominated as associate justices some of these gentlemen had filled the highest law offices in their respective states and all of them had received distinguished marks of the public confidence in the systems which had been adopted by the several states offices corresponding to those created by the revenue laws of congress had been already established uninfluenced by considerations of personal regard the president could not be induced to change men whom he found in place if worthy of being employed and where the man who had filled such office in the former state of things was unexceptionable in his conduct and character he was uniformly reappointed in deciding between competitors for vacant offices the law he prescribed for his government was to regard the fitness of candidates for the duties they would be required to discharge and where an equality in this respect existed former merits and sufferings in the public service gave claims to preference which could not be overlooked in the legislative as well as in the executive and judicial departments great respectability of character was also associated with an eminent degree of talents the constitutional prohibition to appoint any member of the legislature to an office created during the time for which he had been elected did not exclude men of the most distinguished abilities from the first congress impelled by an anxious solicitude respecting the first measures of the government its zealous friends had pressed into its service and in both branches of the legislature men were found who possessed the fairest claims to the public confidence from the duties attached to his office the vice-president of the united states and president of the senate though not a member of the legislature was classed in the public mind with that department not less than with the executive elected by the whole people of america in common with the president he could not fail to be taken from the most distinguished citizens and to add to the dignity of the body over which he presided mr john adams was one of the earliest and most ardent patriots of the revolution bred to the bar he had necessarily studied the constitution of his country and was among the most determined assertors of its rights active in guiding that high spirit which animated all new england he became a member of the congress of seventeen seventy four and was among the first who dared to avow sentiments in favor of independence in that body he soon attained considerable eminence and at an early stage of the war was chosen one of the commissioners to whom the interests of the united states and europe were confided in his diplomatic character he had contributed greatly to those measures which drew holland into the war had negotiated the treaty between the united states and the dutch republic and had at critical points of time obtained loans of money which were of great advantage to his country in the negotiations which terminated the war he had also rendered important services and after the ratification of the definitive articles of peace 
had been deputed to great britain for the purpose of effecting a commercial treaty with that nation the political situation of america having rendered this object unattainable he solicited leave to return and arrived in the united states soon after the adoption of the constitution as a statesman this gentleman had at all times ranked high in the estimation of his countrymen he had improved a sound understanding by extensive political and historical reading and perhaps no american had reflected more profoundly on the subject of government the exalted opinion he entertained of his own country was flattering to his fellow-citizens and the purity of his mind the unblemished integrity of a life spent in the public service had gained him their confidence a government supported in all its departments by so much character and talent at the head of which was placed a man whose capacity was undoubted whose life had been one great and continued lesson of disinterested patriotism for whom almost every bosom glowed with an attachment bordering on enthusiasm could not fail to make a rapid progress in conciliating the affection of the people that all hostility to the constitution should subside that public measure should receive universal approbation that no particular disgust and individual irritation should be excited were expectations which could not reasonably be indulged exaggerated accounts were indeed occasionally circulated of the pomp and splendor which were affected by certain high officers of the monarchical tendencies of particular institutions and of the dispositions which prevailed to increase the powers of the executive that the doors of the senate were closed and that a disposition had been manifested by that body to distinguish the president of the united states by a title gave considerable umbrage and were represented as evincing inclinations in that branch of the legislature unfriendly to republicanism the exorbitance of salaries was also a subject of some declamation and the equality of commercial privileges with which foreign bottoms entered american ports was not free from objection but the apprehensions of danger to liberty from the new system which had been impressed in the minds of well-meaning men were visibly wearing off the popularity of the administration was communicating itself to the government and the materials with which the discontented were furnished could not yet be efficaciously employed towards the close of the session a report on a petition which had been presented at an early period by the creditors of the public residing in the state of pennsylvania was taken up in the house of representatives though many considerations rendered a postponement of this interesting subject necessary two resolutions were passed the one declaring that the house considered inadequate provision for the support of the public credit as a matter of high importance to the national honor and prosperity and the other directing the secretary of the treasury to prepare a plan for that purpose and to report the same to the house at its next meeting adjournment of the first session of congress on the twenty ninth of september congress adjourned to the first monday in the succeeding january throughout the whole of this laborious and important session perfect harmony subsisted between the executive and the legislature and no circumstance occurred which threatened to impair it the modes of communication between the departments of government were adjusted in a satisfactory manner and arrangements were made on some of those delicate points in which the senate participate of executive power the president visits the new england states anxious to visit new england to observe in person the condition of the country and the dispositions of the people towards the government and its measures the president was disposed to avail himself of the short respite from official cares afforded by the recess of congress to make a tour through the eastern states his resolution being taken and the executive business which required his immediate personal attendance being dispatched he commenced his tour on the fifteenth of october and passing through connecticut and massachusetts as far as portsmouth and new hampshire returned by a different route to new york where he arrived on the thirteenth of november with this visit the president had much reason to be satisfied to contemplate the theatre on which many interesting military scenes have been exhibited and to review the ground on which his first campaign as commander-in-chief of the american army had been made were sources of rational delight 
to observe the progress of society the improvements in agriculture commerce and manufactures and the temper circumstances and dispositions of the people could not fail to be grateful to an intelligent mind and an employment in all respects worthy of the chief magistrate of the nation the reappearance of their general in the high station he now filled brought back to recollection the perilous transactions of the war and the reception universally given to him attested the unabated love which was felt for his person and character and indicated unequivocally the growing popularity at least in that part of the union of the government he administered his reception the sincerity and warmth with which he reciprocated the affection expressed for his person and the addresses presented to him was well calculated to preserve the sentiments which were generally diffused i rejoice with you my fellow-citizens said he in answer to an address from the inhabitants of boston in every circumstance that declares your prosperity and i do so most cordially because you have well deserved to be happy your love of liberty your respect for the laws your habits of industry and your practice of the moral and religious obligations are the strongest claims to national and individual happiness and they will i trust be firmly and lastingly established but the interchange of sentiments with the companions of his military toils and glory will excite most interest because on both sides the expressions were dictated by the purest and most delicious feelings of the human heart from the cincinnati of massachusetts he received the following address amidst the various gratulations which your arrival in this metropolis has occasioned permit us the members of the society of the cincinnati in this commonwealth most respectfully to assure you of the ardor of esteem and affection you have so indelibly fixed in our hearts as our glorious leader in war and illustrious example in peace after the solemn and endearing farewell on the banks of the hudson which our anxiety presaged as final most peculiarly pleasing is the present unexpected meeting on this occasion we cannot avoid the recollection of the various scenes of toil and danger through which you conducted us and while we contemplate various trying periods of the war and the triumphs of peace we rejoice to behold you induced by the unanimous voice of your country entering upon other trials and other services alike important and in some points of view equally hazardous for the completion of the great purposes which a grateful country has assigned you long very long may your invaluable life be preserved and as the admiring world while considering you as a soldier have long wanted a comparison may your virtue and talents as a statesman leave them without a parallel it is not in words to express an attachment founded like ours we can only say that when soldiers our greatest pride was a promptitude of obedience to your orders as citizens our supreme ambition is to maintain the character of firm supporters of that noble fabric of federal government over which you preside as members of the society of the cincinnati it will be our endeavor to cherish those sacred principles of charity and fraternal attachment which our institution inculcates and while our conduct is thus regulated we can never want the patronage of the first of patriots and the best of men to this address the following answer was returned in reciprocating with gratitude and sincerity the multiplied and affecting gratulations of my fellow-citizens of this commonwealth they will all of them with justice allow me to say that none can be dearer to me than the affectionate assurances which you have expressed dear indeed is the occasion which restores an intercourse with my faithful associates in prosperous and adverse fortunes and enhanced are the triumphs of peace participated with those whose virtue and valour so largely contributed to procure them to that virtue and valour your country has confessed her 
obligations be mine the grateful task to add the testimony of a connection which it was my pride to own in the field and is now my happiness to acknowledge in the enjoyments of peace and freedom regulating your conduct by those principles which have heretofore governed your actions as men soldiers and citizens you will repeat the obligations conferred on your country and you will transmit to posterity an example that must command their admiration and grateful praise long may you continue to enjoy the endearments of fraternal attachments and the heartfelt happiness of reflecting that you have faithfully done your duty while i am permitted to possess the consciousness of those worth which has long bound me to you by every tie of affection and esteem i will continue to be your sincere and faithful friend soon after his return to new york the president was informed of the ill success which had attended his first attempt to negotiate a peace with the creek indians general lincoln mr griffin and colonel humphreys had been deputed to this mission and had met mcgillivray with several other chiefs and about two thousand men at rock landing on the oconee on the frontiers of georgia the treaty commenced with favorable appearances but was soon abruptly broken off by mcgillivray some difficulties arose on the subject of a boundary but the principal obstacles to a peace were supposed to grow out of his personal interests and his connections with spain north carolina accedes to the union this intelligence was more than counterbalanced by the accession of north carolina to the union in the month of november a second convention had met under the authority of the legislature of that state and the constitution was adopted by a great majority End of chapter five part three